We're in Proverbs again, and we've got three uh, weeks after this one we're going to stay in Proverbs. So today, I want to jump right in, and then we're going to show we're going to show a little video in a minute that I think you'll enjoy. So, um, but as we have each week, we've started off each week just uh, kicking it off, just you guys reading a passage uh, off the screen together as a group, and I know that. Um, we have some people who went to prom last night, and so they're really tired. And so I want to make sure that we all say this verse as loud as we can to wake them up, all right? So uh, we're going to read this together. So uh, chapter 1, verse 7, read it with me on the count of three. One, two, three. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. That was excellent. That was excellent. And... What I've been saying each week, I know it sounds like a broken record, but I've been saying each week that we read that passage, that we have to see Proverbs with this verse in mind. We can't see Proverbs as just a behavior modification, a behavior change textbook. We've got to see it as the fear of God is central, then everything flows out from that. And so um, what we're talking about today, actually I've been looking forward to this talk probably the entire series the most because... Uh, it deals with friendship. And Proverbs has a ton of really important things to say about friendship. But if you think about friendship, many of you guys have heard the word community thrown around a lot at TBC, right? You've heard the word, and, and, and you might be wondering, what does that mean? Like when you think of community, most of you think of just like a town, right? Community is a town. But when we say community, we, what we mean by that is um, the point of of the body of Christ is that we commune together. That we, that's where we get the word from, community. You, commu- you have something in common, which is another way of saying community. Um, and another way of saying it is simply friendship. So community is like a fancy word for, for friendship. And so we stress that a lot here at the church. We stress that, that you can't just come into a building like this on a Sunday morning or up there in the main auditorium. You can't just walk in here and sit in a chair and listen to someone preach, then walk out. That's not what it means to be a Christian. That's part of it, but you've got to be involved in community with other people that are on that same journey with you, and this is where friendship comes into play. But the problem is this. Listen, listen. The problem is many of us see friendship and community in a, in a really shallow, superficial way, right? In fact, this video is going to depict what I'm talking about. I think many of us, it's kind of a joke, but it's Many of us kind of see friendship and community in, in some really shallow ways. So if you guys go ahead and play this, this will show what I'm talking about. Are you tired of small groups always getting into your business, trying to get you to share your feelings, discuss your past, confess your sins? Are you just looking for a place to kick it, network, maybe get some free grub? Me too. That's why I created what I believe to be the world's first openly shallow small group. We're not here to deal with messy stuff like feelings and emotions. You got problems? You deal with that. You're an adult. Life ain't easy. So stop the pity party. We all have our issues. We don't really want to do life together. Frankly, at shallow small group, we try not to do much of anything at all. You'll never hear us use the term, unpack that thought. We're sure it's packed away for a really good reason. And you'll never hear us use the term accountability unless you're talking about someone who deals with numbers. Hey, dude, thanks for doing my taxes. You have great accountability. And spiritual growth? Who wants growth? I had a growth removed last week. It wasn't pleasant. 
There's no pressure here to remember each other's name. What's going on, buddy? Oh, hey, man. How's it going? That's good. Hey, Chief. Oh, dude. Captain, what's going on? We know you have a name, and that's the important thing. Group discussion? You got tickets to the big game? Sweet. Let's spend some time on that. Oh, you and your wife are struggling financially? There's tension in the relationship? Uh, that's not really the vibe we're going for. We avoid conflict like the plague. Wants cake. <laughs> and there will never, ever be an awkward silence. That's our guarantee to you. We hate bad theology as much as the next guy, and we know the surest way to prevent bad theology is to avoid theology altogether. And outreach? This is the only outreach you'll ever have to do. Some people say we're superficial. But hey, the word supers and superficial. I mean, who doesn't want to be super? Shallow small group. Because when things get too deep, people drown. Won't you join us? Yes. I love how all the adults are on the trampoline at the very end. All the adults are jumping on the trampoline. Um, so... So it's, it's not a secret. I think most of us approach community and friendship in, in sort of a superficial, somewhat shallow way for many of us. And so uh, we're going to look at this idea today. So look at chapter 13, verse 20. Turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. And we're going to look at several passages this morning on uh, friendship. The first one is this, 13, verse 20. It says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Really simple. What it's saying is that if you hang out with wise people, you're going to become wise. If you hang out with fools, you're going to become like they are, which is a fool. Now, here's the crazy part. Most people will say, most people like the idea that, you know, I'm my own person. I am me. I am individual. I'm my own person. Well, that's not really true fully because who you hang out with, that's who you become like. You are not your own person. You don't just stand on your own two feet. People influence you, whether it's for good or for bad. And so this verse is pretty clear that who you choose as your friends is really, really, really important. I think to this, uh, back to um, my, I guess, later elementary days, like fourth grade and on, and there was this friend of mine uh, that I had named Daniel. We were like best friends at the time. And uh, I often wonder what my life would look like if I had stayed with certain friends, because what happened to him was very interesting. He and I were really good friends all the way from fourth grade all the way through, I think, till seventh grade. And uh, I'd go to his house. We'd hang out. We'd always get into some kind of trouble, typically. And uh, he was usually the ringleader of that because, you know, I was – no, I'm just kidding. It was both of us. But um, we would both get into some kind of trouble, typically. And uh, this one time, um, he lived in this wooded area, and uh, there was this river behind his house. And river was kind of low at this point of the year. And we're walking through the woods on this trail, and there are these, like, gorgeous mansion homes just all throughout this wooded area. And so we come upon this, this house that's, like, up on the hill, sort of behind some trees. And down in the water, there's, um, there's this really nice, like, pontoon-type boat, the kind that are flat, have little, you know, metal uh, uh, pontoon deals that are they're filled. And so, but the problem is, though, it's not sitting on water. It's sitting in mud because the water's receded. And there's all this mud around this boat. Well, the boat looks really, really clean and nice, but it is sitting in some mud. So our brain starts churning, and we start seeing this, this really nice, immaculate, really clean boat, and then we look at the mud. 
And we're thinking, are you thinking what I'm thinking? And he's like, are you thinking what I'm thinking? And so we start taking just gobs and gobs of mud and just start smearing it all over the side of this boat, right? And this boat has, like, carpet on the, on the, on the floorboard of it. So we're like, hey, every carpet needs mud. So we start smearing mud all over the carpet of this boat. And then we look at the controls of the boat that are this immacul- all these knobs and levers, and they're immaculately kept in great condition. We're like, hey, these knobs and levers need some mud. So we start smearing mud on this entire boat, and we're just going, we are so awesome. We're so, we're so bad, right? And then we thought we hear this door open from the house, right? And we just tuck tail and run as fast as we can through the woods and then back to his house. So that might sound like a minor incident, but as we kind of progressed, I started noticing him. We'd go into a store, and he would, like, start taking stuff. He would start stealing. He would shoplift. And I would be like, dude, that's, that's, I'm not, I'm not going to do that, but, you know, that's between you and, and yourself and God, I guess. And so about a year later, he went to a different school. I went to a different school, and, uh, and we kind of just, you know, lost touch. Well, a couple years ago, as you know, Facebook has a way of bringing you back into someone's life. So we, we kind of reconnected on Facebook, and um, I didn't really ask him this question, but I can tell from just his Facebook activity that he must have spent some time in prison in the last, say, 15 years or so. I don't know what for, but I do know that much. And so I think about my life, and I go, okay, what would have happened to me if I had remained close friends with this guy? It's really scary to think about because part of you thinks, well, I'm my own person. I could stand on my own two feet. I, I would withstand the pressure he might put me under to do what he, the kind of stuff that he would do. But you guys know, you have friends right now that are influencing you as I speak to do things you know you shouldn't do. Because the person who hangs out with fools ends up becoming a fool. The person who hangs out with the wise people ends up becoming wise. You have no idea how great an influence friends have friends have in your life. Look at the next uh, verse, chapter 18, verse 24. It says, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And the main point I want you to get from this passage is that friendships are unique. Friendships are unlike any other kind of relationship you will ever have. They are not like a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship at all. They are not like a family relationship They are not like an employer-employee relationship. Friendships are the most unique kind of relationship you will ever have in your life. They're unique. They're unique. Now, here's the weird part about this verse. It says, a man of many companions may come to ruin. Now, I know that the, the running joke is Facebook, and everyone makes fun of, like, you know, well, Facebook friends aren't real friends, and everyone knows that to be true. But I just want to see a show of hands this morning. How many in the room have over 1,000 Facebook friends? Raise your hand. Just be, be proud about that. Just raise your hand really high. It's okay. It's okay. Raise it high. Over 1,000 Facebook friends. Raise it high, Ryan. Come on, man. Get it up there. Is that Ryan? That's not Ryan. Look at the wrong guy. Drew, I mean. All right, so, um, so 1,000. Raise your hand really high. All right, if you have 750 or more, raise your hand. 750 or more, raise your hand. 500 or more, raise your hand. Okay, 350 or more, raise your hand. You guys are all lying to me. I know you're lying to me. All right, so, okay, who doesn't know how many you have approximately? You don't know, and you don't care, all right? Okay, so I just want to make one comment. Here we go. 
So if you have over a thousand Facebook friends, according to this verse, you are ruined. All right? You're ruined. Okay? Now, I want to ask you another question. Listen, listen. Um, How many of you regularly clean up your friend list? You go through and delete people. Anyone? All right, you block people. Okay, so how many of you do that? Listen, listen. How many of you do that just because, not like get a fight with them, you're just like, what's the point? I don't have a friendship with them, so I'm just going to cancel them, right? There's no fight or conflict involved. You just do it to kind of clean up your list, right? You're that kind of person. Raise your hand real high if that's you. Okay, so most people do that because here's, here's, the, here's the reality. Of course, none, none of us are going to pretend like those people are true, real friends in the, in the sense that we're talking about this morning. But it is true. Listen, why do you think this verse says having too many friends is a bad thing? I don't mean Facebook friends. I just mean friends in general. Why do you think it's saying that having too many friends is a bad thing? I think here's why. Because when you spread yourself so thin and you spread yourself out like that, you have relationships that are like an inch deep but a mile wide. And, and you can't really fully have a true friendship with anyone. Or you start to feel yourself pulled in all kinds of directions because this person's pulling you this direction, this person's pulling you this direction, this person's pulling you in this direction. And it, it, what it leads to is you trying to please everyone all the time, and it leads to you, leads to you being ruined. So I was joking about that whole thousand friend, you're ruined thing on Facebook. That was just a joke. But, but think about this in, in real context of friendship. You're trying to please so many people all the time, it's going to completely ruin you totally ruin you. So friendships are very unique. Uh, family, family relationships are assigned to you. Those are like assigned relationships, right? So you can say to your brother or your sister, you know, you're not really my friend. I have to like you, right? I was assigned this relationship in life, and so we're just going to tolerate it and try to make it through, right? But when it comes to friendship, friendships are chosen Family relationships are assigned. Now, you can be friends with someone in your family, but what usually happens is your, your best friends typically are going to be people that you just sort of walk through life and you just, you just choose them. They choose you. Friendships are very unique. So with that said, go ahead and discuss questions one through three at your tables. Go ahead and discuss those. I want to make sure we have enough time at the end to do more discussions. So uh, the rest of our time is going to be spent just trying to answer one question. And the question is, go to the next slide. How are friendships formed? Now, I know that, um, uh, let me be really honest with you for a moment. Just, just look at me for a second. Um, I've been a high school pastor for a long time. And I've worked with high school students since I was actually 19 years old. So do the math, that's like 16 years. So almost, almost half my life I've worked with high school students. And what I've seen is I've seen these patterns in certain people. Some people are really, really good at understanding friendship and how to make friends, how to keep friends. Other people have no clue. Others have no clue. And I'm not trying to make fun of either. I'm just trying to say that's just the reality. And so in the next 20 minutes or so, I want to give you some really good principles from Proverbs on how friendships are formed. So I want you to write these down if you can. Just something to write on. 
Um, if not, just use your, your phone. I don't care. As long as you're not playing a game on it, just use your phone to write it down if you have to. But um, I think these are really helpful for you, especially with where you're, you're at in life. Because here's, here's the reality. I am worried about some of us. I am worried about some of us because there might be some things. If you find yourself unable to make friends or keep friends, it might be because there are some things that you are doing or not doing that are making that happen or not happen. And so the first uh, verse is uh, chapter 19, verse 4. And here's what it says. Wealth brings many, fr- many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friend. And the main point there is friendships cannot be based on external things. Friendships cannot be based on external things. Notice in the passage, watch this. It says, wealth brings many new friends, plural, right? Wealth attracts many people. Then look at the flip side. But a poor man is deserted by his friend, singular, his one friend, right? And so it's true, it's sad but true, that money often draws people to a person, and if someone doesn't have something they can offer the relationship, like money or something external, then for that person, is often very, very lonely. And then watch this. That one friend, the guy that's poor, that one friend leaves him, leaves him. Now, I know none of you guys have any money because you're high school students, but I want you to think for a moment that there are lots of other external things that we, we look at when it comes to friendship. So think about this. Have you ever started a friendship with someone because they were popular and you didn't feel like you were? Have you ever started a friendship with someone because they were in a certain, for the girls, they were in a certain, like, tier of beauty that you felt like you weren't a part of, and if you associate with them, then people will see you as, as that as well. Have you ever associated with someone because they have a certain athletic ability that you might lack, and if you can associate with that friendship group, then people will see you as that as well? Or how about this one? Everybody wants to be friends with the funny person, right? The person that makes everyone laugh, everyone loves that person, unless they're just really, really, really annoying, which some are, right? So, um, so if, if, if you're that person, listen, 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 if, if, have you ever wanted to be friends with someone because everyone makes, that guy makes everyone laugh, I want to be associated with him so they will see me as, as like him. So there are lots of things that we look at when it comes to friendship. Have you ever, have you ever pursued a friendship for what it could do for you? Or have you ever dropped a friendship because it was no longer doing for you what it used to do for you? Is it about externals? The next passage, or actually the next uh, quote is by C.S. Lewis. Um, He said this quote, which I love. He says, friendship is born at that moment when one person says to another, what, you too? I thought I was the only one. Friendship is discovered. It's not forced. Think about this. If you ever try to force a friendship, it just gets awkward real quick. If you go to a person and say, want to be my friend? Want to be my friend? It'd be like, no. You're annoying. Go away. So you can't, you can't force friendship. It's got to be discovered. So the way, the way friendship typically happens, and this is probably true for many of you, you're on a soccer team together. You're just going through life on your little journey of life, 
and you just say, I, I click with her, or I click with, we just kind of, personalities just mess. We just click. You don't ever really talk about that. You don't go and say, you know, I notice our personalities really click. Let's be friends. You would know, that would make it awkward, right? So it's discovered. It's not forced. Um, when I think about uh, friendships that I've had throughout the years, uh, I met Tim Cartwright when I was, I guess, about 20, 21 years old. And um, we became instant friends because we both said, what, you hate the Cowboys too? I thought I was the only one, right? And so a very deep friendship from then ensued, right? I'm just joking. It's, we have a, a deeper friendship than that. We both like Philly cheesesteaks, all right? So it's about more than just the Cowboys and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but it is true. Listen, it is true that most of the time you'll just notice that you click with someone and you just start a friendship. It's discovered. It's not forced. I think of uh, uh, my friend Simon that you guys met that did Impact Camp last year. Um, I hate using the word best friend because it sounds so exclusive. Um, I don't like using that phrase, but Simon is a very close friend of mine. I was his best man in his wedding. He was my best man in my wedding. And so we have a friendship that goes back years, but it's not like we ever talked about it. We didn't say, let's plan on having a friendship together. That, That never happened. I was on a mission trip. We met him down in Zimbabwe. We just kind of clicked and hit it off. Then he came to the States to live with us. And when you live with someone, you realize that you really, really like them or you really, really hate them, right? It's one of those two extremes. There's no, there's no in the middle. And so we just clicked with, with each other and became very fast, very fast friends. It was discovered it was not forced. Now, this next passage, I love. I love this next passage. Chapter 25, verse 17. I told you last week that I had a new life verse, and it involved the imitation to beat that guy up. Well, this is my new new life verse, and it says, Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. Why aren't you guys laughing? That's hilarious. That's a hilarious verse. Okay, stop. Stop. That's annoying. All right, so, uh, so can, can you imagine... All right, instead of the welcome mat at your house, you should put this verse on it and, and put it right in front of your front door, right? And, and so here's the weird part about this. It's not saying that, um, it's not like the Bible's against you being close friends or involved in someone else's life, but it's saying this very important principle that friends cannot be overbearing. They can't be overbearing. Friendship has to be a two-way street, if it's a one-way street, an accident will happen at some point, right? And so it's got to be a two-way street. It can't, it can't be a one-way street. And so everyone, I would say almost everyone in the room knows this kind of person, the person that's just really overbearing. They don't ever let you breathe. They suffocate you with their friendship. Um, everyone, I think, knows this kind of person. And if you're thinking to yourself, Dave, I don't know anyone like this, then it's probably you, all right? You might be the person that we're talking about. So, so here's, the, here's a test for how you know if this is the kind of person that, that we're dealing with. Um, if, listen, if you text someone a hundred times and they don't respond, you might be this kind, of, this kind of person. If you say things like, hey, you know what today is? Today is our friend anniversary, right? That's a bit much. That's a bit much. 
I got you some chocolates to celebrate our friend anniversary. That that's okay. You've ended the friendship at that point. All right. If if you're listen listen. If you're always inviting someone somewhere and you realize they never invite me anywhere, then you might be a little overbearing in your pursuit of this person. That's just a little guess. Or if if this person says things to you like, if this person says things to you like, so, what are you doing for Valentine's Day? Like, uh, that day's not for me and you, all right? It's not for me and you, uh, just in case you're wondering. Or if they call you and say things like, hey, let's wear matching clothes today. All right? That's a little, little too much. A little too much. Um, so, so listen. So this kind of person is, is suffocating. They're, they're so desperate for a friend that they will never find one. Listen. Listen. The sad reality is this person is so suffocating and they are so desperate for a friend that they will actually defeat themselves the harder they try to be friends with people, they don't get this verse. They will actually implode their chances of getting friends because they're so overbearing about it. You know, it's kind of funny. My, my son is only four years old, but he is learning kind of these, these rules of life, these principles of life. And it's funny kind of teaching him things that seem common sense to us but aren't quite common sense to him. And so one of the things that we started doing when he was like probably when he could talk, when he learned how to talk, um, we would say, hey, if we go to a playground where there's other kids playing, um, you, should go, you should go ask some kids, like, hey, you want to come play? You know, something like that. Well, then my wife, Courtney, um, she started telling him to say things like, you know, hey, do you want to be my friend? But that also, that means, like, do you want to come play with me, right? And so uh, he started asking kids that, and it was funny because we're driving to the playground, and uh, very often he'll say, he'll be like, daddy, maybe I'll, maybe I'll meet some kids there and I can make some friends. And I'm like, yeah, maybe, maybe you can make some friends. Well, recently... I take him to a playground, and um, there's this kid about two years older than he is at the playground. And so Landon goes, he's like, Daddy, I'm going to go talk to that boy over there and see if he'll be my friend. And I'm like, all right. So he walks over, and he goes, he's looking at me. He's like, you watching, Daddy? And he turns around, and he goes, he goes you want to be my friend? And the boy's sitting there, like, really confused going. I see him making these gestures, like, and I go, Landon goes, want to be my friend? And the boy's just kind of confused, and I'm going, I go, Landon, just tell him that you want to play, all right? Because the boy's sitting there going, his comment was, he goes, I don't even know your name. I don't even know who you are, right? Because this boy's a little bit more mature. He understands friendship. That's not what friendship looks like. Landon thinks friends just play together. This kid's a little bit older. He thinks friend, like, I don't even know who you are. I don't even know your name. What are you talking about, right? And so there's these rules that you learn as you go through life. Now imagine this. If Landon never learned those lessons of life, if he just thought that's how you make friends, if you just walk up to someone, go, hey, want to be my friend? Want to be my friend? Be my friend? Be my friend? Then people just be like, I'm not going to be your friend because you're overbearing, right? You're just being really pushy about this. And so some people can, can have that effect. They can just be really, really pushy, really, really overbearing. Um, let me present this scenario to you. If uh, someone might say, um, you know, let's go have coffee. We need to talk about our friendship and where it's headed, right? You would be like, "Uh, what friendship, right? There's no friendship anymore now that you said that. So, So the moment that you start, this is a really important thing for you to understand. Listen, listen, listen. 
The moment you start having to talk all about your friendship with someone, that's the moment where you know the friendship is over, right? Because boyfriends and girlfriends, husbands and wives, they work on their relationship and talk about the relationship. It's proper to do it in that context. But it's not really appropriate for friends to always be talking about the friendship. That makes things awkward. And if someone always does that, it makes things very overbearing, strange, and weird, right? And this is actually in the Bible. Now look at chapter 25, verse 20. Here's what it says. It says, whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. Now, if you read that like me, you wonder, what is he talking about in this passage? Let me explain this to you. Have you ever had a friend who you're having like a really bad day? You're really sad for something that happened to you. And you tell your friend about it, and their response to you is, well, cheer up. I bought you the latest Justin Bieber. And, and you're thinking, I just told you that my dad passed away. And that's how you respond to me, right? And, and so this person doesn't get emotion. They don't understand how emotions work. They don't understand, like, Okay, that's totally a totally inappropriate response. Well, first of all, just a side note, it's always inappropriate to buy your friends Justin Bieber, right? That's always inappropriate. But especially if they're in mourning, you don't pour lemon juice on their paper cut, okay? You don't do that to someone, all right? So, so listen, listen. So listen, listen up, listen up, shh. So friends have to have emotional understanding. And for someone who doesn't have emotional sensitivity understanding, they're not going to have very many friends at all. Now, what this verse is implying, this is someone who, uh, once again, if someone comes to you and says they're, they're sad, something tragic happened to them, and this verse says, this person responds with, well, let me sing you some songs and cheer you up. It's like, well, no, that's not the response. The response needs to be, you're sad with someone when they're sad. If you're friends with someone, when they're sad, you're sad. You mourn with those who mourn. Ecclesiastes says there's a time to be happy, but there's also a time to mourn. If your friend is mourn, mourning and sad, you don't say, well, well, let me be happy, and we can balance this thing out. That's not how it works. You have to be with them in their sadness. And if you don't understand that about people, you're not going to have very many friends. Look at the next uh, passage, 26, verses 18 to 19. This has the same uh, idea behind it. Friends need to have emotional understanding. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. Listen, listen. If, if your joking actually hurts someone, then it's not joking, it's sin. Okay? If your joking causes pain in someone's life, then it's not joking. It's sinful. And look at this passage. It says, like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death. I mean, it's, it's extreme. So imagine this scenario. Like you walk up to someone who's your friend, and you like jab an arrow through their, their chest. And you're like, ah, just joking. Just kidding. Just messing with you. And the guy's like about to die. 
on the floor. I, I mean, you get this picture, right? So, so it's the same thing. Listen, it's the same thing when you joke with someone or you deceive them intentionally. And then you say, no, I was just kidding. I was just joking. I was just messing with you, right? And so this, if someone doesn't understand emotions and how emotions work, they will not have very many friends at all. Look at chapter 27, verse 6. It says, uh, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Yes, you're like, I get to kiss my enemy? I hope she's a girl, right, guys, right? No, no, that's not what the verse means, not what the verse means. So here's what it's saying. Listen, listen. It's saying that real friends tell you the truth. Real friends tell you the truth. Real friends aren't afraid to wound you when you need to be wounded, okay? Real friends don't mind telling you truth, even if it's going to hurt your feelings a little bit. So that's the first part of the passage. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. You might be thinking, like, why? I can't think of how the word enemy and kiss, how they kind of fit together. What is he saying here? Here's what he's saying. This is really interesting. Someone who is always kissing up to you, okay? You think they're your, that, that they're your friend. They think they're your friend. But guess what? They're really your enemy. Because they won't tell you anything that's truthful. All they do is kiss up to you. All they do is say, yeah, yeah, you're great. Everything you do is wonderful. Everything you do is great. You don't have any sin issues to work on, right? And so this kind of person, although they think they're a friend, you think they're a friend, they're really an enemy, according to this verse, because they won't ever tell you the truth. They won't ever tell you the, the real truth about yourself. And then uh, chapter 27, verse 17 It says, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. And what we get from this is that real friends help you grow spiritually. Real friends help you grow spiritually. Every friend that you have is going to help you spiritually or hinder you spiritually. There is no neutral ground. Every friend that you have is going to help you or hinder you in your walk with Christ. Do your friends help you or do they hinder you? in your walk with Christ? Do you as a friend, do you help people or do you hinder them in their walk with Christ? What kind of friend are you? What kind of friends do you, do you choose? If someone hinders your growth with Christ, they are not what I would call a real friend. This is why we have uh, Wednesday night community. This is why we have uh, G groups that are led by upperclassmen, guys and girls, um, because this verse is the reason, because it's about sharpening each other. And yes, my voice just cracked again. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> You're telling me the truth. I know the truth. Uh, but here's, here's the deal. I love how whenever I get serious when it happens, too, to make you guys laugh. It's really funny. All right, so, um, but Wednesday nights and, and our, our G groups that, are, that happen on Sunday evenings, the purpose of that is this verse. It's to sharpen each other. It is to, it is to cause growth to happen in your life. Now, here's the crazy part. If you're taking two bits of metal and you're sharpening something with that metal, what's going to happen? Sparks. Did someone say sparks? Sparks are going to fly. There's going to be friction, right? But what I want you to hear from this, listen, listen. What I want you to get from this is that there is such a thing as healthy friction. There should be healthy friction and tension in your friendships. 
And guess what? You should be able to take it. Because here's what I see, especially at your age. If one thing happens, one small thing happens in your friendship with someone, you bail. Or if one little thing goes wrong, you check out of the youth group and you say, I'm never going back ever again because they said this to me and I, I just I didn't like it. Well, you know what you need to do? According to the Bible, you go to that person and you say, hey, when you said that, that really hurt me. Give them a chance to repent and yourself a chance to forgive. That's how relationships are supposed to work. And if you don't get that pattern now, you will fail throughout all of your friendships throughout your life and especially in your marriage. If you don't get this now, you'll fail in all of your relationships throughout your life. And so just at the end here, I want to address these two really quick things. I know it's late, but this is kind of the point of the whole talk here, so listen up. I want to address, like just very quickly, sinful patterns that I see in girls and sinful patterns that I see in boys when it comes to friendship. Okay, I'll I'll talk to the girls first, all right? I addressed this a little bit last week, and so it it kind of ties into last week, but this this next statement I'm going to say needs some explaining, so just bear with me. Sometimes girls treat their friendship like a dating relationship. Now, let me explain that. I don't mean that in a homosexual kind of way, all right, just so you're aware. But sometimes girls have this approach to friendship. They are just, like, all consumed, like, you're my best, best friend. Like, they will, I see it on Facebook, they will put pictures of each other on Facebook together saying things like, this is my best friend forever, my BFF. We have a whole album of pictures together, right? And, and then the person will say, I love you so much, thank you so much, I love you, I love you, I love you. And it looks okay, it looks okay, and then you're going, okay, well, what's going to happen a year from now? We'll wait and see. And what will happen is those two girls are like best, best, best friends. And they'll start, they buy each other gifts, they write notes to each other, and then they break up. That's what happens. They break up. Just like a dating relationship, they break up and they're like, I hate her now. I hate her. She hates me. I hate her. We hate, we hate all of her friends. Her friends all hate me. And it just goes on and on and on. And so what happens is, because girls have this just intensity to their friendships, it can be suffocating, overbearing, and there's no way for that to be able to sustain itself. No way at all. And what happens is your friendships implode, and you find yourself wondering why you're left with no friends, right? And here's what happens. Listen, here's what happens. When you choose someone and you, you declare someone, this is my best, best friend, and you make everyone, everyone else knows this, it makes other people feel like, okay, they have something that no one else can enter into, and it's exclusive. It makes people jealous, and it causes all kinds of conflict. This is why I don't like the idea of having a best, best, best friend and saying that to everyone else, okay? So that's the girls. Now, the guys, on the other hand, have, like, the opposite problem. Girls have this, like, really, really intense friendship. Guys have just the very shallow, superficial friendship, right? Guys are like, you like to kill people in video games? Me too. Let's hang out, right? Let's be friends. And so very often, very often for guys, it's just pragmatic. It's just like, I play soccer, you play soccer. And 
we talk, so let's be friends. Or I do this and you do this, so let's let's hang out. So, but very rarely do guys are guys okay with really getting deep, really having a trust friendship with someone else. Because here's the deal: every guy in the room has felt this habit. Listen to me. Every guy in the room has felt this tension. If if you start to get what you would say is is close friends with a guy, you start to feel a little weirded out by that, don't you? Don't you? You start. Are people going to think that you know? I mean. This is a friendship, right? Are people going to think that this is weird, right? That's where your mind goes. So it kind of reels you back in. But I think most of the guys, you have no idea what friendship is supposed to be like with, with other guys. You have no clue. You've had no biblical model of what that's supposed to look like. And so with all of that said, I want you guys to jump into your, your, your last few questions here. Go ahead and discuss those last few questions. You guys can pray when you're done.